0: Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and his kingdom.
1: So talking about the creativity of God, and we read that last, um, I need my notes. I forgot them. Um... I'm looking through these these worship charts, saying this isn't quite right. Um, we read the creation story, and the last part of the creation story is the creation of humans, man and uh, man and woman. And um, I read this book recently called Eve by Paul Young. It's kind of written for young adults. Um, But there's just some really beautiful creative license that he takes with the creation story. Um, And it's funny because, guys, I don't remember if you remember, last week the projectors were rendering everything purple. So I, like, last night I thought, I think it's gonna be fixed. And I made this presentation last night cause I was like, I think we're gonna get to like look at some imagery. But it was cool because I had, when I've been planning for this, I, hi. I'm teaching, so you probably have to go. But say hi to everybody and then I'm gonna, oh, she's purple, like the projectors were purple. Mm, there's a connection, she's thinking about it. Um. So I had been planning this for several weeks and had done a lot of work on imagery and and stuff, but it was kind of taking away from the other aspects of how creative we are and how creative God is. So I... Um, because I thought the projectors were gonna be broken, I started to lean on literature. And um, so we're gonna get a little bit more of that and on storytelling and testimony. So Alicia's gonna come up and read a small excerpt from this book called Eve. And um, the main character is Lily, and she shows up um, basically almost, she's on the brink of death. And she shows up to this place where they're healing her and it's take, you know it's taking such a long time. and she's in and out of consciousness. And um, in between there, these times while she's healing, she um, she uh, is told that she's going to witness creation happen. And um, she thinks she's going crazy, basically. Because <laughs> um, she's like, this, this is so weird. How, how could I witness creation? So this is the, the piece of the text. So this is like not biblical. It's fiction. Um, but it's a creative way to describe this kind of making of man. So Alicia's going to read a little. And you can close your eyes if that feels better or whatever to help you imagine.
2: Interesting. Seems these hallucinations might persuade you of things you don't already believe. Experience is a force not easily discounted. Lily didn't miss the irony of the challenge. It's safer to discount everything, she said, especially if it seems undeniably real. Eve fell silent for a time, then turned her attention back to the garden. Eden is the grand delight, the deepest and the truest. There will come an age when this garden will encompass all creation in all dimensions. The declaration caused something in Lily to flicker, like a spark stirred to life by a passing eddy of wind. New movements drew her attention. Gigantic sentinels of flame-like multicolored, raging bonfires had stationed themselves precisely around the plateau's perimeter. Within the border established by these pyres, upon, rank upon rank now closed, spirit beings positioning themselves with choreographed exactness. Beyond that boundary, emerging as if from ground and sky and tree, came all manner of soulish beast and hominid and bird. She had a sense that beyond these, there gathered multitudes of creeping things, the amphibian and the insect, the reptile, the seen and the unseen. And in the ocean, leagues away, all were attentive. The universe had paused from all its effort, from simple chores of motion and daily rigors of survival to pay rapt and worshipful devotion. As night descended, a myriad of elegant, flashing lights in wildly modded colors became distinct and obvious. Waves of countless nimble beings arrayed in spectrum-brilliant shades gathered in the skies. The assembly grew as did anticipation. The entire cosmos drew together here in this place at this appointed time. It was an unhurried but resolute inhalation, initiating labor. Lily found herself at the center of the gathering, surrounded by light beings in an onslaught to the senses. Music wove like threads into a living scented tapestry. The strings of myrrh and sandalwood, the horns of frankincense and fruit, woodwinds breathing hyacinth, pine, lilac, lavender and honeysuckle, the rhythmic beats of cinnamon and clove, turmeric and ginger. Even the distant stars joined in with their songs as all creation paused. Once gathered, They did not wait long, for a doorway majestically opened within the wall of Eden. Intense radiance tumbled out. In an instant, Lily and Eve were standing alone. Everything else bowed, face to the ground in awe-filled, joy-filled adoration. Eve nudged her. They come. But Lily could only stare at the approaching blaze. It was a whirlwind of blazing sardius reds with living emerald greens set in the brilliance of spinning jasper, coalescing until from its center a single personage emerged, a human being. Who's that man, she whispered. Not just a man, eternal man, who is everlasting God, Adonai. A man is God? But Eve didn't explain. Eternal man seemed to dance, dressed in white robes of light. A humble crown of vines encircled his head. Lily felt entranced. Every part of her longed to run to him and tell him all her secrets, to be remade, to melt into his magnificence, to find rest from her shame. Here stood trustworthiness, smiling, welcome. He lifted his hands and the prostrate rose to kneeling. What happened next surprised her. Eternal man also knelt upon the ground and with his hands like a child in a sandbox began to gather into one place a pile of reddish brown dust. He was playing. But his demeanor was intensely focused and brimming with unbridled joy. Then he sat down and gathered the dust in between his legs. A gentle breeze arose, toyed with his hair, and then helped him collect his treasure. Lily craned to see. Man and wind were careful and seemed to make certain that not a single moat was lost, but all included and essential. Lily heard two voices laugh. One came from eternal man, another from the wind. It was a clean laugh, like the giggles of children. Tears, too, came easily to eternal man, joyful tears, and spilled from his eyes onto the dust piled between his thighs by his strong hands. He began to sing. It was a new song, distinct from the melodies Lily had heard so far. The song washed over her and dropped her to her knees, filling her with something greater than excitement. For the first time in all her limited memory, Lily felt hope. Hope for what she couldn't say. Her heart picked up its pace. From inside out, the mound of dirt now bubbled up, blood-red water, gushing from an unseen aquifer. Adonai sang into it, and then with tears and laughter plunged his hands into the holy mess with a shout that brought Lily to her feet. The labor was nearly finished. Then, with a piercing, wrenching scream, Adonai raised above his head a newborn baby. A son is born, a son is born. All creation erupted into jubilant sound, and Lily rose, And Lily rode the crest of birthday's celebration. She yelled to be heard over the crowd. Mother Eve, did you see? It was impossible to find her. But as Lily turned, a whisper of truth settled on her shoulders. She had seen. Although it stirred in her an overwhelming array of longings and emotions, Mm -hmm. Eve had kept her promise. Lily had no regrets at all about witnessing this birth. The crystal clear and gentle voice of eternal man now sang above the cacophony. This is my heart's delight the crowning of all creation, I present to you my beloved son, in whom my soul delights. They shall be named Adam.
1: Thanks, Alicia. Man, guys, I, as I've been thinking about how God is the author of creativity, these last several weeks I've been and digging into what it means to be in God's image it's it feels it feels like you can dig in and dig in and it feels more and more complicated and at the same time it can feel like really simple I feel like um, t- today we're not like I'm not gonna do any kind of talk about if this is literal or if this is poetry or if this is symbolism or if it's somewhere in between all of those. Today we're just focusing on how creative God is and how we reflect that creativity. Yes? Yes? What nationality were Adam and Eve? What nationality were Adam and Eve? I mean it doesn't say but um I don't want to say the wrong thing, but probably n- not white.
2: <laughs> um. <clears throat>
1: we'll have to have like a little class on this because that's a lot of awesome. yeah, I mean, it is it's super it's super good, it's super good questions. Um. I just want to focus on the part of the creation story in 126 and 27 in um, a few verses. So I'm going to reread those those real quick. Then God said, let there be mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, What does Imago Dei mean, the image of God? What do we think that means? I feel like we're a small enough group. I'll probably open it up for some, but I'm going to say a few things. Um, Imago Dei. Um, Or likeness is kind of about maybe like a shadow of God. This is a shadow of Lucia's. Um, She took that picture of herself. Just you could see her curly hair, and there's like you've seen her, so you kind of like know her. But there's just like a like we we are made in God's image, in His likeness, and we're distinct from all the other creatures. We bear His image, and it's multifaceted and layered. We hear in, um, in John 24 that God is spirit. Every human possesses spiritual aptitudes and capacities. We are more than the sum of our physical parts. Our spiritual neighbor, though un- nature, though unseen, is as real as our physical nature. It's like a spirit of God that we are like. And as I was kind of digging into this more, it's just like volumes and volumes have been written on what does it mean to be made in God's image. Um, And just um, John Piper, um, more of a current theologian, just says super simply, images are created to image. Like, why do we have an image of anything? Like, why do we have... I was just in China. There's a picture... There's a big picture of Mao still up that they repaint every couple years. Somebody repaints this picture of Mao. Images are created to image. They're created to set forth a reality. Okay. <clears throat> China. And um, <clears throat> he says, Why did God create man to show God? And to show the goodness of God. I mean, there's any kind of image. Anything we put up in our house. Any, any person's picture. It's to, to try to show what they're like. Or how we know them. What we remember about them. Images are created to image. To set forth the reality. Why did God create man? To show God. To show God's goodness. And it's multifaceted. Um... To be fully human is to reflect God's, like, as I've been trying to find, like, what does it mean to be in God's image? His creative, spiritual, intellectual, communicative, relational. He's not by himself. I love that part of the text when it says, let us create in our image. It's not, he's doing this in partnership, in relationship. He is relationship with purposeful capacities and to do so his, holistically and synergetically. It's like the most like the briefest kind of encapsulation I could find of like a, the big picture of what how God creates us <clears throat> in his image. So verse 28 and 29, let's jump in. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life, I give every plant for food, and it was so. There's like a lot there, like so much there. Um, But what I really want to unpack is um, we're created purposefully with intention and instructions to care for creation. Um. This part, be fruitful and multiply. I think, is there 7 billion people on the earth ish? I mean, the earth is sufficiently populated, I think. Um, but there is something so special about becoming a parent and how that shows God's image. Um, do you know who the guys, do you know who this is? This is Baby Wolf. Chris and Jill had their baby. Yesterday or the day before yesterday? I think it was maybe at night on the day before yesterday. Does anybody know the name yet? Did they decide on Noble? They named her Noble Wolf. Does anybody know the middle name? Noble Muscles Wolf. I love that. I know. Just super. (laughs) She's, I know. I'll I'll, Girl noble. So, I mean, this is kind of the main thing I want to talk about today. How do we steward well the gifts God has given us? If they're people, if they're, do we have clarity as individuals and as a community about the gifts we've been given individually and collectively and how to steward those gifts well together? Um, Fill the earth and subdue it, care for it, Feels, I don't know. It feels weird to like um, rule over. I feel like we don't um, we don't really understand like that kind of connection we have with creation and how to like steward well the gifts God has given us in creation. I was talking to Eric, who took most of those pictures in Hawaii, and he was talking about um, just finding these orchids that are just growing up in the rainforest for nobody but they're like the most brilliant, beautiful things. And they're like, for, like nobody maybe would ever see these things that are growing in the rainforest, but they're just so beautifully designed. <clears throat> and we're designed very well. And so throughout the whole text it says, this is designed well, this is designed well, this is designed well. Five times he says what he's made is, is good. And then when he talks about us, he said, we're made really good this picture, sometimes I have to like remind myself when I'm not feeling good about myself. I've seen this picture, you know how things have like made in China, made in Korea, made in the USA. I just see like this tattoo on the bottom of my foot that says, made well. Yeah, I'm just like, we are like made well. And I think there's something so precious (laughs) in, um, I put this picture up because the other day we were in Folia, Danae's very creative venture. And, um, Lucia and Noah and I and Stephanie and, yeah, we were having a family date. And, um, Lucia was just saying to him, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And I um I heard this podcast recently where this guy was talking about um, Buddhist folks and how when they like are bowing to each other, they're like recognizing past. It's that spiritual thing that I, I talked about at the beginning that we are more than the sum of our parts. And they bow to each other because they're bowing to like the divine spark that they see in people. And I I don't think they have the whole picture of Jesus. Like, but there's something so important we can learn from them. When we like like I want to like teach Lucia, like when you say nice to meet you, <laughs> like you're like looking past and saying like God made you well. How do we like always be doing that with every single person we encounter, um, and when it doesn't feel like God made them well, actually? Yeah, how do we like look past and just see people how God sees them as like a created and loved son or daughter? <clears throat> and uh, so I. I realize this kind of first part of Genesis is just the beginning of creation and very, very quickly things go awry and we have sin and the world starts kind of falling apart, basically. Um, But Jesus comes to reverse the curse. That's, That's like a tricky thing. Jesus comes to reverse the curse. Reverse the curse. Um... And he says when he like starts his ministry, the kingdom of heaven is has come near. Like the kingdom of heaven is coming in me. Paul says it really clearly in Ephesians two. Does anybody? Jeremy. We read Ephesians is that too small? We read Ephesians two for me? So in Jesus, we have redemption and just this ability to truly reflect who God really is. Um, I like this. Uh, verse 10, another translation is, for we are the product of his hand, heaven's poetry etched on lives created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works God arranged long ago. Another another. Place for handiwork says masterpiece. I don't know about you, but kind of that idea ugh, of being a masterpiece—it just kind of feels like I just kind of want to hide. I mean, then that's the garden, right? People were hiding. <clears throat> we are God's masterpiece, and we are created to reflect and magnify His image. And there's no earning. I love that part. Can't earn it. It's a gift. The work that God gives us, and then it says, created in Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that mean? God prepared work for us to do, for you to do in advance. Um, the work that God gives us points beyond us to Jesus and to the greater truth that we are loved and accepted children. So, pointing to Jesus, what, what was it? an example of what that means today. Dan. Dan is going to come up and share a little bit about a project he's been working on.
4: Thanks, Suze. So last week, Suze came to me and said, uh, can you talk about your journey of how you um, came to view yourself as creative? And I said, oh, crap. Because I'm still very much in that process. I want to share a little of that story with you. And, and honestly, standing before you guys in this community, I, I look at like Danae and the project you're doing. I look at Jeremy and the musician, that he and his brother are, I look at Laney. There's so many really creative people in here. And I, I think creative in the way that I used to falsely always think of creative, where you always operate in this inspiration all the time and it just flows out of you. Um, so my journey starts with, um, I'm working on a film project right now, but where that starts is I spent seven years in the corporate world, like very business, like working in Excel all day, every day. Uh, I went and got a master's in business. My entire 20s, I just didn't really look up. I kind of kept my head down because I thought that's what I should do. It was stable. It was a good career. I didn't come from a lot of stability, and... I just didn't think much about anything else that defined me. I just did the should thing until I was almost 30. And Troy talked a lot last week about um, intimacy and how intimacy connects to your identity. And uh, I really went through this two or three-year journey where uh, I feel like God began to strip down all the shoulds um, I, I didn't know how to be at all. I just knew how to get validation and identity from everything I did and everything I accomplished. I was so performance oriented. Um, and as I just spent time with him and, and let him get to know me, as Troy was even saying, like be known by God more, it, it began to strip away all these things that I thought I was, all these things I thought I was supposed to be. And, and all of a sudden, like the palette was clean. And I think for the first time in my life, in my early 30s, I said, what do I want to do? Like, what excites me? And the first thing was film. And it just felt so crazy at the time. I'm like, I'm a business guy. I didn't go to film school. Um, I'm the guy... And then I started, like, connecting the dots. Like, I'm the guy that watches a movie at the movie theaters. And you know when the logos are up in the beginning? I get teary-eyed during the logos. Just, I'm just so inspired. I'm like, oh, this production company, you know, someone went and did it. They did this thing. I want to do that thing. And I just began this slow journey of taking baby steps of figuring out what it meant to be creative. And that's why I say I'm, like, still in that process. So fast forward, like, three or four years. i I co-wrote and produced my first short film we're actually screening it this week uh, and i'm scared beyond belief um, thank you i'm I so excited um, it hasn't been an easy process i've questioned myself every step of the way i've compared myself to other people every step of the way and i've just learned so much about what it means to be that little mini creator it means just showing up every day saying Okay, my, my heart desires this thing, and I'm just gonna walk in that direction every day and co-create with you whatever that looks like. Um, and we have a product now, and the story, just really quick, uh, it's, it's heavy. It's called uh, it's Modern Slave. It's a 15 minute short film, and the like one sentence like log line, as they say, I'll put certain emphasis on some words. Uh, a young girl coerced. In the sex trafficking must escape the emotional cage her Romeo pimp um, has trapped her in before she loses what hope remains to live and dream. And the question we're posing is, how can the cage door be open, but yet this beautiful bird does not fly away? And there's, it's not a redemptive story. I'll tell you right now, I'll spoil the end for you. She does not get away. Um, Because the reality in most of these situations is they don't get away. And how can God be in that when I really wanna tell redemptive stories? Well, I believe God shines his light in the dark and creating something beautiful that might open someone's eyes, um, that's getting an opportunity to co-create, that's getting an opportunity to shine a light and do it in a cinematic, like non-after-school special type of way is the hope. And it's a proof of concept we're going to try to use it uh, to go to festivals and raise money for a feature-length version that we're we're writing as we speak. To, so, yeah. Thanks.
1: I, I actually love this part of our community. That like, there's so many people that are. Um, reflecting God's image in the world and what they do in so many ways. You're all creative. Some, I, like, I just want to like bless you with this certainty that God created you to create no matter what you do for a job. And what you do for a job can be creative. My male lady makes so many people happy. I see her, like, talking to the people I should be talking to sometimes down the street, some old couples, making them happy, helping them move stuff, and then I I see her take the time with them, I don't know if she loves Jesus, she takes the time with them, and then, like, in between, she, like, runs to catch, make the time up, like, she just, like, spends time with people, that's, like, a super creative way to be a male person, to reflect light, I am, um, <clears throat> and I look around the room and I, like, I hold all your stories, if I know them. Storyteller. I just, like, I hold all your stories and I just, I want to figure out a way how we, like, weave them together in ways that, like, impact the world for Jesus. Um, I was having lunch with Allison this week. I'm so glad you're back from your trip. Guys, you need to be praying for Allison. She's in a season of discernment. If she's going to stay in L.A. for the next three years or if she's going to move on to the next thing God has for her. So this, this month-ish, she'll, she's really discerning that. But she said, like, her work is with the people in her neighborhood. She's a, a missionary, an urban missionary. She works with the people in her neighborhood. And she said this, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't get it wrong. My work is a battle for hearts and minds and pressing into how people are being formed. Pressing into how people are being formed. That's like creation, I mean, she's not creating them, but like, I don't, if that's not creative, I don't, I really don't know what creative is. Helping form people. I, over the last while, <clears throat> God's been teaching me about my identity. It's so weird. I mean, it's not weird. It's just like, oh, it's just like that moment in the sermon where you're like, how much am I going to show myself? Um, oh, you have to go. Yeah. Yes, you go. He's going to share first because he has to go and then I'll I'll share a little bit. Come up here. Jaws is going to read a a little section from The Great Divorce. We were talking about this at Spitz last week and um, just a beautiful example of what it means to be in love with the light and that to be our thing, our muse.
0: Um, So I've noticed by working in music, music becomes, music is an expression of focuses. Like music is an expression of your life. I, I heard the story of a man who was working on this, this song and he's like, I got this drum kick to sound so good and in the mixing world getting s- things like that to sound good is like a big deal. And this big time songwriter comes in and he, the first thing he hears, he goes, what are you doing? Are you writing a kick drum or are you writing a song? Because he turned the kick drum out so loud all you he could hear was the kick drum to this man who knows how to write songs really well. And it showed, it expresses, what we do expresses what we focus on. Life is kind of an expression of different focuses. And I was reading this story, and this has to do with an artist. This is uh, The Great Divorce. It's a, it's a non-fiction about a bus from hell going to heaven. <laughs> this is a literal story, no. It's a fictional story that has like incredible parallels. I've never underlined so much in a fictional book before. But um, it's about a bus of people in hell that get to travel to heaven, and they can decide if they want to go to heaven or not, or go back to hell. It's this fictional story. So this artist is up there. He just arrived on this bus, and he's up there. And they meet with a person is assigned to them who lives in heaven. They call them spirits. And the people who are coming from hell are called ghosts. So this ghost from hell came up to heaven He's an artist, and he was in his life, and now he's talking to the spirit. And um, God, I'll just read a little bit. This is the ghost talking, the guy from Ghost. I'll do ghost over here and spirit (laughs) over here. So ghost is talking. God, said the ghost, glancing around the landscape. God what? asked the spirit. What do you mean, God what? asked the ghost. Well, in our grammar, God is a noun. Oh, oh, I see. I meant, I meant like by gum or something of that sort. I mean, well this, it's, he's in heaven looking around. He goes, I should paint this. I shouldn't bother about that just as present if I were you, said the spirit. Look, here isn't one going to be allowed to go on and paint? And this guy says, looking comes first. But I've I've had my look. I've seen what I want to do. God, I wish I thought of bringing my things with me. The spirit shook his head, scattering light from his hair as he did so. That sort of things, it's no good here, he said. The ghost said, what do you mean? And And the spirit says, well, when you painted on earth, at least in your earlier days, it was because you caught a glimpse of heaven in the earthly landscape. The success of your painting was that it embodied, it enabled others to see the glimpse too. But here you are having the thing itself. It is from here that the message came. There's no good telling us about this country for we see it already. In fact, we see it better than you do. Only, only one more page. Then there's never going to be any point in painting here. I don't say that. When you're grown into a person, um, there will be some things which you'll see better than anyone else. One of the things you'll, you'll want to do will be to tell us about them, but not yet. Um, I'm going to skip down a little bit. Okay, so, how soon do, I, do you think I could begin painting then, asked the ghost. And the spirit broke into laughter. <laughs> Don't you see? You'll never paint at all if that's what you're thinking about, he said. What do you mean? asked the ghost. Why, if you aren't in, interested in the country only for the sake of painting, you'll never learn to see the country. But that's, but that's just how a real artist is, is interested in the country. No, you're forgetting. And this is the, the most important part right here. You're forgetting, said the spirit. That was not how you began. Light itself was your first love. You loved paint only as a means of telling about light. Oh, that's ages ago, said the ghost. One grows out of that. Of course you haven't seen my later works. One becomes more and more interested in paint for its own sake. One does indeed. I also have had, a, ha- had to recover from that. It was all a snare. Ink and paint were necessary down there but they are also dangerous stimulants. Every poet and musician and artist but for grace is drawn away from love of the thing he tells to love of the telling. Till deep down in hell, they cannot be interested in God at all, but only in what they have to say about him. What this says to me is, what, what are we about? We are all creating something whether we like it or not. You know, are we going to live recognizing that that's not how you began? You didn't begin to try to paint for painting's sake. You began loving painting because it brought something to you, brought some light to you. And who we are is light itself was your first love. You loved paint only as a means of telling about light. We are designed to bring light. That's who we are. We're creators. And like it says in um, the Psalms, David said, I was made to declare the works of the Lord. We are made to bring our first love, which is light, to our environment and to our atmosphere through what we do, what we say, how we think, how we believe, who we are. And it all comes out in everything you do. Whether you're creative in the fine arts, whether you're creative by creating a home or creating a business or creating something, we're all giving something out. Those focuses being pushed out into the world that we bring to it. But to know that we were made to bring light. And that's who we are. And that's the heart of creation, of creating. That's why Jesus did what he did, or God did what he did, because he was light. So I just wanted to share that because I thought that was really interesting.
1: Thank you, Jaws. I just, I I want to keep telling stories and keep telling stories because all of you have something to bring. And so um, I'm going to share just a couple minutes about myself and then we're going to break up into groups and share. And then we're going to also have another Sunday where there's just like a way bigger opportunity for everyone to have space to share. Um, So I, this idea of shoulds, and kind of the journey of like what you think you should do and then like you I, I journeyed down that path when I thought I was gonna be um, I worked at a homeless shelter a few for a few years. And it was good and I learned a lot. I felt this like draw to creativity and who God has created me to be is as an interior designer so I went back to school for interior design and it was good and I learned a lot and then I got there and it felt like death like the like the design industry can feel like death sometimes just it's it's actually not a creative environment at all some some aspects of it um and so I love to do these creative things I I enjoy interior design and painting and photography um but that doesn't actually feel like the work God has told me to do. And like recently, as I've been spending time with Him and like making space to learn my identity every day, because if you don't spend the time with Him, you, you just, like, the world washes your brain with who you think, who they think you should be. And, and you can't actually be creative. Like, you have to wash yourself out from that. And that happens through spending time with God. And that's what Troy talked about last week, this wilderness. Like you have to spend time in the wilderness. It's part of discipleship. It's where we're like focusing as a community, discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. A piece of that is like spending time with God. Like you can't give that up. Like it, it has to come first. And so as I've gotten the rhythm of spending time with God, he's told me like, your work is as a weaver, like, what does that mean? My work is as a weaver. I don't even know what that, like, what does that mean? Yes. And I just, I mean, I just have this picture of, he showed me this picture of like weaving, spending time with him. And then this kind of cloth, this garment kind of covers me and goes around me and is for me. Then it like extends past me and I get to like cover and uncover people. Like that's like my creative work. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I mean, I know what that means. It's about pastoral care, and it's about how I'm spending my time, and it's about the covering. is super, super easy to me. It's like this idea of, I, I've got this prophetic word over me one time that, like, you're gonna like unwrap mummies. Like, you're gonna people are gonna like. There's areas of people's life that you're gonna like unwrap, like take off burial clothes, basically. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting, but I really like the swaddling clothes. <laughs> I like to like wrap people up like a baby and hold them close and make them feel really good about themselves. And I'm growing in this like uncovering, uncovering to the light. I have to like uncover the stuff that's keeping you dead, so that the light can f- fully heal it. That's what God is like calling me to. I'm excited about it. It's super scary. Guys, telling you things that, like, I feel like it's really hard, like conflict. Like, I'm a two on Enneagram. Guys, we're going to be talking about the Enneagram a lot. Just learn it. <laughs> two on the Enneagram, helper, conflict, adverse. So I'm working on conflict. I'm working on, and it's not even about conflict. It's like, hey, I love you, and, like, I see this area that's bringing death to your life. Ugh. Anyways, but it's to expose to the light. So Justin shared about that light. I love that. Like, your first love was the light. Like, so beautiful. So we're going to do a little time. Like I said, July 23rd, Sunday, July 23rd, Chris was going to teach. But he had a baby, so he's not going to teach so we're going to spend the time. We're going to have a couple stations. We're going to have a station that um, is for candle lighting. We're going to have some instructions on that. We're going to have a station that um, is visio visio divina, where you look at a picture, kind of go through the lectio divina process. But visio divina. And then we're going to take, but we're going to have some times that people are going to sign up for sharing anything. You can share a painting. You can share a poetry. You can share a song. You can share testimony. You can share a short story. But But this is stories that reflect the light of God. We're going to do a little Streaming Hope. In our history of Basilea, there was this thing called Streaming Hope, which was an open mic where we did spoken word and song. And so we're going to do a mini Streaming Hope on July 23rd. So... If you want to be a part of that, I'm going to be sending out information. If you want to share a little bit, if you want to uncover a little bit of yourself in community creatively, how God has created you, we're going to do that. For right now, we're going to get into groups and we're going to not very big groups. Let's do groups of three so that everybody actually does have a chance to share and, and look through these questions. How are you called to reflect God's image? What are you co creating with God? Do you need encouragement or clarity for the thing? Maybe, like, everything I'm saying is, like, I actually don't know what you're talking about at all. God hasn't, like, given me, like, the thing to do. So, like, I'm ready. Tell me what it is. And um, and then this part was, like, a little bit <clears throat> what um, Justin was talking about. But there's, like, if there's repenting you need to do because you've made something about yourself instead of God, you've made a project or... Um, just something that you've really elevated yourself instead of the light, and you want to repent for that, um, do that in your group. Like, expose that, have people pray for you. So get in groups of three. We're going to actually play some of Jaws' Dreaming in Color, some of his instrumental music, um, while we we pray together. So get in groups of three, go over those questions, and then I will pray over all of us. at the end, and it's after one o'clock actually, so if you need to slip away. Sorry, we went a little over
0: today.